Hi, I'm Jason Nichols, and I'm on the left. And I'm Vince Colonnese, and I'm on the right. And, and if, if we, we can't, can't find, find common, common ground, ground in this world, world today, today, then we're all just travelers. Passing each other in an international airport. And this great American experiment will be relegated to the trash bin of history. So let's come together to debate without yelling. And, and let's, let's save, save this, this nation. nation. More mask madness and Joe Biden gets turned into a meme. It's Vince and Jason save the nation. Woman says it happened after the students' mask kept falling off in class. This is a picture of it. Don't choose extinction. Save your species before it's too late. I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. About that, with just in terms of inflation, because you had told uh, us at a town hall, I think it was in July. But that's not what they try to do. Instead, you're trying to rig elections. Vince and Jason Save the Nation is brought to you by Gold Co. Hello and welcome to Vince and Jason Save the Nation. We're back and it's a Friday. You know how we do on Fridays. Vince, what's up first? Let's take a look at some of these crazy clips our, our editors and producers have put together for us. Uh, this first one comes to us from Colorado Springs. There's a student here uh, who says she was forced to tape her mask to her face at school. Take a look. A mother in Colorado Springs says her child was forced to tape her mask to her face at school. Woman says it happened after the student's mask kept falling off in class. This is a picture of it. Academy District 20 says it started getting reports about this happening at Chinook Trail Middle School last week, but it's not clear exactly what happened in this girl's case. Because of social media, we now have so many other voices in the mix that may not have been involved. And so now there's misinformation that's mingled in with the actual facts. The school district is asking for patience as the investigation goes on. It hopes to have more information for everyone by the end of this week. All right, so I'm looking at this mask. It looks like she has like painter's tape like wrapped around her head to affix her mask to the top of her nose. Uh, if there was an administrator in the school that actually made her do this, Jason, I think that that person should have their head taped to their ass because that's they they taped the mask to her face. Things are getting crazy. Yeah, I mean, to me, if uh, a mask isn't working, number one, uh, the school should have masks and, yes. and provide them and uh, be able to fit them. Um, a lot of the the masks for children have like some sort of like adjustable thing on the on the back of them right. that can make it so that they can fit anyone's head. Um, I think there's there's just so many uh, problems here. Taping masks to kids' faces means that the school was unprepared for this whole situation. Right. And to me, um, the other thing is when you have, I would look at masks now in a school that requires them as like part of your, your school uniform, part mm -hmm. of like uh, your attire. And what do they do when a student has attire that isn't appropriate or isn't, you know, what they want, they usually call the parents and say, look, you got to bring this kid another shirt. You know, that, that shirt isn't appropriate. Or you gotta... Yeah, your skirt's not finger length. You need to get a, you need to put a different <laughs> skirt on. Right. So I think the, either uh, the school and number one, the school should provide masks uh, mm -hmm. for people who don't have them. Right. And, you know, I, I've actually been walking to class and this is kind of a sidebar, I've been walking to class and the mask, like the, the string on the mask broke. You know, um, so luckily it, it was a lesson learned. I bring two masks with me now, mm -hmm. but I, I can go back to my office and actually they have masks there that you can grab. Anybody can grab one. Wait, so, you bring, um, hold up, Jason, Dr. Dr. Jason Nichols. 
uh, when you're walking around the University of Maryland campus, if one of your masks snaps off, you have a backup mask ready to go just um, in case and just in case your head betrays you. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, my it's 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 the size of my brain. It's just like, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, I bring an extra one in case it breaks. I, I bring an extra one in case a student needs one. Uh -huh. um, I've had students come in, you know, with their shirt over their face being like, I don't have a mask today. You know what I mean? And I'm like, here you go. Here's you know the tape. I, mean? I got the tape for you. <laughs> I'm not going to tape their heads, but I will. I will give them an extra mask. I think that's, you know, just like teachers bring extra pencils or whatever. Now I should register. Mask. I should register my opinion here on, on one thing. I don't think that these kids, especially in these grade schools, should be wearing masks at all. So that's I just just to be clear. I know you and I have talked about this before, but like just the the data is not there to support that, especially these cloth masks. Um, you know, you've heard from the, the Surgeon General of Florida, Harvard educated guy. He's been out there saying the same thing is like, look, mandatory mask masks for kids in schools. The data just doesn't support it. He admitted that like like you and I have discussed that, you know, the N95 mask that does provide surgical mask does provide some small difference. But those cloth masks, they're doing nothing. It's just a uniform piece. And um, and I, I just think it's high time we stop treating the kids like this, because especially young kids, you know, facial recognition and being able to interact with a teacher and see people's mouths moving and, 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 that, and that, that physical communication, that's really important, actually, for a young child's development. And uh, I don't think there's enough evidence to support uh, getting in the way of that. So I'm hoping that changes soon. Well, I'll just I'll just say really briefly that um, uh, a lot of schools have found ways where they can do both. Um, and, you know, I know my kids, the school that they go to, they have lunch outdoors and they don't have to wear their masks, of, of course, during lunch. They have recess right. outdoors um, and they don't have to wear their masks when they're at research, uh, excuse me, recess. So I think that there are a lot of schools that have found answers for a lot of this. They're still able to bond with their, their classmates. They're still able to see their classmates' faces and recognize them. But when they're in the classroom, uh, they wear masks. Um, I think that you are right that there are some masks that are more effective than others. Um, you know, so this idea that you know, any mask goes is not necessarily the right way to go about mm -hmm. it. Um, I do think that masks in schools help when people are in these enclosed environments. Um, it, of course, we know that children are generally pretty resilient to the, to the virus, uh, but they're still carriers and they are vectors and spreaders of the disease like anyone else. And there are vulnerable people in their communities, vulnerable people in their schools, uh -huh. and these masks are helping to keep them safe. So I think it's a good idea. And we've also lost, you know, 570 children uh, and 22,000 have been hospitalized since the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, let's try and keep kids safe. Amen. All right. So velociraptors uh, apparently are back. And, and the reason I know that is because this next clip shows a velociraptor addressing the United Nations. Uh, this is um, I, I'm going to, I'm about to, I was about to say, this is a, apparently a real clip. Obviously it would not be a real clip. <laughs> Velociraptors are extinct, but somehow <laughs> a Velociraptor has addressed the United Nations about climate change. Take a look at this. Listen up, people. I know a thing or two about extinction. And let me tell you, and you'd kind of think this would be obvious, 
Going extinct is a bad thing. And driving yourselves extinct? In 70 million years, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. At least we had an asteroid. What's your excuse? You're headed for a climate disaster, and yet every year governments spend hundreds of billions of public funds on fossil fuel subsidies. Imagine if we had spent hundreds of billions per year subsidizing giant meteors. That's what you're doing right now! Think of all the other things you could do with that money. Around the world, people are living in poverty. Don't you think helping them would make more sense than, I don't know, paying for the demise of your entire species? Don't choose extinction. Save your species before it's too late. It's time for you humans to stop making excuses and start making changes. Thank you. All right, so standing ovation for the Velociraptor speaking to the United Nations. I wasn't sure who the voice was there. I, as it started, I thought it was Jack Black. It kind of sounded like Jack Black to me. But no, as it went on, it could not have been. But uh, all right, so Velociraptor comes back a little bigger than the Jurassic Park interpretation of the Velociraptor uh, and addresses the United Nations. What do you think of his important message, Jason? Well, I, I thought his message was effective. I think he, he was a better speaker than we've seen. Uh, you know, it's it's been a while since we've had uh, at least an interesting in the United UN States. speech. Yeah, an interesting UN speech. <laughs> I, actually, you know, in terms of entertainment, I thought Trump's speech was, was entertaining. There you go. You know, when he's like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the to the effect of, you know, I'm the greatest, as he always does, and people laughed, you know, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I, I thought his message was an interesting one about the priorities of most nations. You know, mm -hmm. we subsidize these big corporations, these uh, natural gas corporations and, <clears throat> and others, but there are lots of other problems we could be spending that money on and, and solving poverty could be mm -hmm. one of them. So I thought it was pretty effective. Um, and I thought it was, you know, kind of an interesting thing to have the Velociraptor. And I'm impressed by the way that you know which kind of dinosaur that is. Uh, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know, brontosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> brontosaurus. Now, brontosaurus is an herbivore. Come on now. Oh, okay, my bad. Remember, you four know. legs, long neck, kind of, you know, looks like a, a giraffe, but it's a dinosaur. But see, wouldn't a brontosaurus be a better choice because it is an herbivore and therefore, you know, saving the environment? That's right. Know, like, yeah, that's why know, they man. want me to eat Beyond Burger instead of meat, you know? <laughs> Like to me, the, the brontosaurus would be a better choice. That's right. You know, they chose a very example. threatening, a threatening animal to deliver <laughs> that message. It didn't uh, make a lot of sense. Yeah. I was like, you know, like, hey, like, yeah, we should stop extinctions because you could lose creatures like me. And I'm like, I don't really need you to come back. I'm not, I'm not really interested <laughs> in a velociraptor like running around my neighborhood. I'm good without you, bro. Um, here's the thing. I, I, I think the but that wasn't what they were saying, though. I know, I know. But I think the environmental movement is um, a little mixed up here for a number of reasons. I say the environmental movement, it's actually all over the place because there's a difference between sort of like conservationists, environmentalists, and then sort of the, the, the climate people. Some, there's some intersection, but the reality is like a lot of these countries who are leading, quote, climate initiatives, really a lot of it is just a grift. It's just a giveaway to giant corporate interests who are using like virtue signaling around protecting our planet as a way to enrich themselves. 
you know, how many climate conferences do you and I need to see where everybody flies in on a private jet? That kind of really gives away the game. Like nobody's a believer. They're just a part of some scheme in order to enrich themselves or their buddies. Well, they, they haven't made electric jets yet, have they? You know what I mean? Like No, that's right. But uh, but the idea that like the world is on the brink of extinction and you're and because of carbon emissions and you're going to choose the least and like the most carbon producing means of of getting to the conference because it you, because your plush lifestyle demands it uh, is obviously a sign of where your principles are. Um, yeah, and I don't. I don't know about that one, but I, I get what you're saying. I think, you know, uh, symbolically you're, you're correct. Uh, again, I don't think one jet flight is, is what's causing the problem. It's, it's overall uh, the many incredible amount of jets that we have in the air when we could be using other means of travel. I think it's also the buses that we have uh, going around major cities that, cause the air quality to be terrible you you've been in baltimore you've been in new york you've been yeah. in all these cities and you see what these buses do you can but the average feel it the average rich dude flying one private jet flight i mean what's the equivalent of poor people taking a bus in baltimore it must be like tens of thousands of people you know like in order to meet to match the one rich dude flying his private jet in terms of carbon emissions like so if yeah. that's what you care about like uh, obviously, you know, I'd be concerned about it. At least Greta Thunberg at like at one point, like came across the Atlantic on a boat. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but still, uh, there, there's the other, there's also the dirty little secret of, of um, a warming planet, which is that more humans live rather than die. So one of the effects of climate change, however it's happening, however the warmth is getting to us, is that the net effect is that more humans are surviving. Uh, because what, ha what typically happens, the Wall Street Journal just ran a piece on this a couple weeks ago. What typically happens is um, people are more like, much more likely to die of cold than they are of heat. And as a result, the warming planet means that our species is actually benefiting in a huge way. So like, you know, for years, the climate argument against, um, the climate argument has always been against like humans, right? The Malthusians, the Sierra Club, it, like the pro-abortion people who are environmentalists, the anti-immigration people who are environmentalists. Um, their position is that we need fewer humans to save the planet. So it's not really about species protection. It was more about uh, protecting, protecting the planet from humans, which are the disease, right? Over time, that conversation's kind of changed. But this idea that we're gonna preserve the species by arresting global warming, should that be within our capability? The reality is like, actually it's helping the, spe I mean, the species is living more, like surviving more <laughs> thanks to a warming climate. Now, is that a good thing for the planet? Not necessarily, but it is the effect of what's actually happening with the warming. So I, I think there are a couple of things. Number one, um, you know, when we talk about this, that's one element in terms of it getting warmer. Yeah. Um, of course, we're talking about other species, you know, and, and the polar ice caps melting and, you know, rising sea levels, which actually uh, erodes the amount of space for all these humans that we have. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, of course, the extreme weather events, which claim lots of human lives and cause a lot of human suffering. So I think there's more to it than just, you know, hey, it's two degrees warmer than it was 200 years ago. I think it's uh, the effects of that which caused those, you know, the wildfires, the, uh, the hurricanes and the many things that actually cause a whole lot of human suffering. Um, and of course, you know, uh, the other issues with, with carbon emissions in terms of uh, 
you know, air quality and, and the illnesses that humans have. And then we have to go to our drug companies and subsidize them to fix mm-hmm. these illnesses. I think that, you know, if we can fix uh, climate and try to make it so that uh, we have, we sustain human life, it's not a question between the earth and humanity. Um, it's a question of helping the earth to sustain humanity. Yeah, I think exactly. we should do it. I agree. You know? I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm for, uh, I'm for like sound environmental practices that lead to, you know, clean air, clean water, less asthma, less, less illness, like obvious stuff uh, and taking care of people, taking care of animal herds, supporting hunters. You know, I mean, I think all of those things are really important and we should definitely, I think in a lot of ways, just get back to basics on the environment, less litter, um, but this, the, my problem with like the climate movement at large is like, I think we're being sold a bill of goods in a lot of this because um, you had, uh, you remember, you know, Michael Moore, he came out with a movie last year. Are you familiar with this story by any chance? Michael no, Moore, no, I Mike, didn't know Michael Moore was still putting out movies. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a reason you didn't know about this one. Michael Moore came out with a documentary last year accusing the green movement of being a fraud. So he's a big believer in anthropogenic global warming. In other words, man is causing the warming we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big believer. But he releases this documentary last year that, that says that, but he says that all of the, the green um, organizations that are out there, or at least the big, the big ones, are scams. Like they're actually just like corporate grifting scams. They're enriching themselves. They're not helping the planet. At one point he goes to like some event, it's like some green event. The stage itself is actually powered. He goes behind the, behind the stage. The stage is powered with gas fuel generators and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> and he's like, this is all scam. Like we're not helping the environment. We need to be helping the environment. So he puts this movie out and all of these green groups attacked him really aggressively. And I don't know if it was YouTube, but some of the big tech companies, they took his movie down. They removed his documentary mm. because they, I think on like the pretext that there were copyright violations and he, he, he had footage that he shouldn't have had and things like this. But the point was like, it got snuffed out. And so the effect was the left didn't get to see the movie, the audience that would normally like a Michael Moore movie. And the right who hates Michael Moore is not really that interested in this story. So that all of a sudden he's like, he's like persona non grata everywhere. And yeah. all he did was say, we need to save the planet. These movements are lying to you. And uh, he got snuffed out. So, well, if our producers are listening, it sounds like Michael Moore seems to be somebody we should be interviewing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would love to interview show. Michael Moore. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I definitely think that um, there is some hypocrisy. Um, I also think that, you know, there are a lot of good things that will come from greening our, our energy sources, you know, um, in terms of not only, you know, the environment, but creating jobs. I really believe that every hundred or so years, we need to go through some sort of um, economic revolution. And economic, I won't even say revolution, I'll say evolution. So, you know, you had the, the, the industrial revolution or evolution um, at the turn of the century and the yeah. 20th century. And I think we're headed towards that. And energy is one area that's going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs. So I'm, I'm all about that. And yes, it, it's not painless. Any shift or change is not painless, but I think we need to, to get towards that. And there are some people who are going to grift, who are going to find a way to make money off of this, just yeah. like the, or the fossil fuel industry has been grifting forever. So I definitely think, you know, um, that Michael Moore and, you know, he is kind of a shock kind of guy. And, and I, I'm sure there are people in the environmental Listen. 
movement who who aren't with Michael Moore because remember he's from Flint, Michigan. He's a factory guy. Check this out. Here's here's the he's Guardian headline. Here's the Guardian headline. Climate experts call for dangerous Michael Moore film to be taken down. Planet of the Humans, which takes aims at the green movement, is full of misinformation, says one online library. Uh, and they point out at the top of the story, a new Michael Moore uh, produced documentary that, ain't, that takes aim at the supposed hypocrisy of the green movement is, quote, dangerous, misleading, and destructive and should be removed from public viewing, according to an assortment of climate scientists and environmental campaigners. YouTube See, ended up taking it down. Why do we always go to removing, you know, <laughs> things um, that don't cause immediate danger? I, I, I think that there are some things like some of the Pizzagate, you know, stuff and those weirdos who I won't name on Twitter who were behind the Pizzagate stuff that actually led to people putting ARs in people's faces. Mm -hmm. um, now, that stuff can be removed because it puts people in danger. But when you've got something that's talking about climate change and says, hmm, I don't, I don't know, or, you know, has some sort of skepticism, or even if it's about, you know, uh, you know, vaccines, and it has some sort of skepticism, I think we should put that in the marketplace of ideas, debate it and shut it down that way. You know, say, look, this is ridiculous. You know, if, if this were the issue, CNN and all those big networks should have Michael Moore on and have him debate one of those climate people. And those climate people should shut him down. Hmm. But instead of just removing it, then you create interest in it. Then people think, well, it must be true. Some powerful people really are against it. They don't right. want you to see it. It creates more interest. So if he's wrong, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what it's about. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if it's actually worthwhile. I don't know if it's a bunch of lies. But if it is, then I think there are other ways we can shut this down rather than saying, hey, let's not let people see it because that just creates more distrust in the climate movement. In and other I'm words, just make your best. Change. Yeah, make your best pro climate change activism. Yeah, make your best case. Don't destroy your opponent's ability to, to have an argument. Um, let's uh, let's let's move on here. I, 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 but Michael Moore would be a good guest. We should get to him. Um, by the way, before sure. we move on, I, I do want to say uh, that we're gen we're genuinely appreciative of the support we get uh, from the great folks over at Grunt Style. Grunt Style is an amazing apparel company. You've heard us talk about them. Uh, and we really appreciate those of you who have supported Grunt Style. And those of you who are considering it, please do. Because uh, first of all, it's not just about supporting this show, which we're very appreciative of. It's about supporting a great company and wearing awesome apparel. Grunt Style sells a bunch of apparel, very patriotic, that a lot of veterans like, especially if you have a veteran friend, if you're like not sure what to get them for some special occasion, check out gruntstyle.com. Uh, it's got great uh, apparel there that you can wear anytime and that that person can wear anytime. But also it's like, you don't have to be a veteran to wear it. Jason and I, we're not veterans. We appreciate veterans. We wear the gear because they have stuff that's themed not just to individual military service, but just like normal stuff, like Jason and his love of peeing outside. He's got a shirt for that from Grunt Style. Got uh, a shirt can, for it. You can get it from uh, gruntstyle.com, enter the promo code STN, and you'll get 10% off of your order, which is a pretty good deal for great shirts and great apparel. Yeah, I think a, a lot of my family members and friends are going to be getting Grunt Style shirts. So, you know, because I'm going to save that 10% by putting STN when I go to GruntStyle.com. So, uh, you know, every dollar counts right now. We haven't passed Build Back Better yet. So, you know, I need those. <laughs> I need every to save every penny. And I'm going to save it by getting my friends and my family members 
uh, grunt style because the holidays are coming up. Uh, it's a great company that does great things and it's patriotic regardless of where you are on the political spectrum. That's right. They are, uh, I don't know of anybody who doesn't support uh, people who serve our country in different ways. So I, I definitely think that, and doesn't know and have close people to them who have served our country. They support veterans who have experienced homelessness and mental illness and many of the things that, you know, the, the hard side of uh, military service. And, you know, they have just fun shirts, um, yeah. fun clothes, um, things that are universal, no matter where you are on the political spectrum. You know, a lot of us can identify with being a dad. And right. hopefully you can identify with peeing outside like I can. That's right. All right. So grunt style occupied by cool, normal people. This next video is uh, somebody who's not cool. He's not normal. He's totally weird. And he's in charge of basically our entire country. It's Mark Zuckerberg announcing uh, what's going on with his company, Facebook. It is time for us to adopt a new company brand to encompass everything that we do. To reflect who we are and what we hope to build, I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. Our mission remains the same. It's still about bringing people together. Our apps and their brands, they're not changing either. And we are still the company that designs technology around people. But now we have a new North Star to help bring the metaverse to life. And we have a new name that reflects the full breadth of what we do. So that's Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, whenever I see videos of him, and I, I realize this is just his his demeanor, like so, I, you can't completely hold it against him. Why does it feel so dystopian? <laughs> like, like it feels like we're in the Bro. middle of we're in the middle of a movie, a poorly written movie, where this like this billionaire tech overlord is introducing something that's like a giant euphemism for how your life's going to improve with this product. And in the end, really, it's like the most destructive force in the entire population. And the end of the movie is like the like the last guy that like survived and like pulled the plug on Facebook and like and it can restart the planet. <laughs> like like I, I honestly feel like we're in the middle of an of a horrific dystopian film. It, Am I wrong? Absolutely. And and this new brand Meta, it literally sounds like a villain's company in a Marvel movie. Like, you know. Like we have to stop Meta. They're trying to take over the planet, you know. Like it is, or even just like a a villain in the movie named Meta, you know. Um, you know, it's gonna be the Hulk versus Meta. Like it, I I don't know what he's thinking here. Why he thinks this is a good brand, and I understand he's trying to do kind of the Steve Jobs thing, and you know, but he doesn't have Steve Jobs personality, um, you know, public personality, um. And it's it's just not a good look. Um, I do think it, you know, if I were, you know, doing things at Facebook, by the way, Facebook, I'm available. Um, you know, if I were doing things at Facebook, I would say, and by the way, you should watch us on Facebook Watch. Um, so we're not anti-Facebook or Meta or whatever the heck it is. Um, but if I were doing things at Facebook, I would definitely put Mark Zuckerberg out there so it's not like he's some hidden, you know, evil genius kind of guy. Um, but I would control how that goes about. You know what I mean? And that, like you said, just looked suspicious. 
you know, I came away from that, like being really suspicious of the company and it's called Meta, which makes me think it's trying to take over my life. Uh, I really think they should have rethought that name um, and that presentation. Uh, it really looked very Lex Luthor-ish. <laughs> I know. It's like, can't they hire somebody like kind of interesting to like just be the face of Facebook? Like, like if you had that much money, like wouldn't you hire Morgan Freeman just to represent your company? Like, <laughs> like what, what, like why would you don't like you use, use Zuckerberg sparingly, like only when you absolutely have to put him on shareholder calls, but don't show his face. Like just, and then, and then like, Hire you, some you have to Vince or else it looks like he's hiding, pulling the strings. No, from, but you know. how many companies though? Think about it, Jason. How many companies are there? You don't know who the CEO is like right now. I just had to look it up because I wasn't sure who's the CEO of Disney. One of the most powerful companies in the whole planet right now. Do you know? You might oh. know. I didn't I know this. Remember it used to, we used to, it used to be Bob Iger. Remember? And Michael Eisner. Yeah. Michael of course, Eisner. we know those names. That right now, Bob Shapik is the, CEO of Disney. Okay, and like, maybe I didn't know that. No, I, I didn't know it. I, I just, but I remember those other guys. But the point is like, that's one of the most powerful companies in the world. It's probably worthwhile to know who the CEO of that company is. But like, everybody knows Mark Zuckerberg. Like everybody knows that Mark Zuckerberg is the founder, the CEO of Facebook. They should just put somebody else out because- But see, here's the thing with Disney though. Disney is very transparent. Like, or in a lot of cases- <laughs> No, no, no. I, I don't mean they're very transparent. What I mean is, uh, in, in many cases, all of their branches have their own kind of CEOs. So, you know, they got ESPN, they got ABC, they got all these things that they own. And so I think in a lot of cases, we're looking at the CEOs of those individual companies yeah. rather than the guy who's at the top, you know? Um, yeah, so maybe. that's why we don't know who Bob Shabner or whatever... <laughs> whatever that guy's name was uh-huh yeah anyway i just it's just crazy the whole thing's weird and this whole metaverse thing that he's talking about it's just like oh, is like what he's referring to is he wants everybody to start having their meetings virtually so like you and i are chatting over a video messaging service right now but like in two dimensions what he wants is for everybody to be able to enter these like virtual reality worlds meaning we wear goggles like like these old like 1980s like science fiction movies where you're like, everybody's got to wear the goggles and then you can attend the meeting and like, you can go and visit these cartoonish worlds. And it's like, man, like people, what is a recipe for people becoming even more disconnected from real life? Okay, and, I, know, I know we got to move on, but I don't know if you ever saw this movie. I want to say it was like Judge Dredd or something with, with Sylvester Stallone. And uh -huh. it was like, in the, it was in the future. And uh, I guess Sylvester Stallone had jumped into the future and this woman's like, uh, you know, I really find you to be a very nice person. Uh, I was thinking we could have sex. And Sylvester Stallone was like, hell yeah. So, you know, they're all, he's all hyped. He's about to get undressed. And this woman just puts on goggles. You know what I mean? And he puts on goggles and, you know, there's all this flashing and he's like, yo, that's not sex. What is this? She's like, yo, we don't, we don't touch each other. Uh, this you know, is uh this is a demolition man you're referring demolition to. Man. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, we don't swap fluids. We don't do any of that. <laughs> you know, that's the world that Zuckerberg's building for us right now. <laughs> Sly Stallone predicted this and, uh, and it's on its way. All right. Um, 
Let's speak about uh, virtual reality alterations for a moment. Uh, when we uh, we talk about Joe Biden, he was on this um, CNN town hall stage about a week ago. And at one point you see him, he kind of like freezes up with his fists right in front of him. And and he's like thinking, he's like, obviously he's, something's happening. There's some sort of processing going on in his mind. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he freezes in position with his arms, like straight out in front of him in his fists. Well, that got, of course, turned into a meme. Uh, by a bunch of people. So take a look at uh, what our producers have given us today. Let me let me ask you about that with just in terms of inflation, because you had told uh, us at a town hall, I think it was in July, that the in, this was just near term inflation. The Wall Street Journal recently talks is like 67. About that with just in terms of inflation, because you had told uh, us at a town hall, I think it was in July, that the in, it's about that with just in terms of inflation because you had told uh, us at a town hall i think it was in july about that with just in terms of inflation because you had told uh, us at a town hall i think it was in july that the in, it's about that with just in terms of inflation because you had told uh, us at a town hall i think it was in july that the in, it's about that with just in terms of inflation because you had told uh, us at a town hall i think it was in july that the inflation because you had told uh, us at a town hall i think it was in july that the this was just near-term inflation the wall street journal recently talks is like 67 uh financial experts who said that they they saw high inflation going all the way or deep into 2022 about that with just in terms of inflation because you had told uh, us at a town hall i think it was in july that the in, this was just near-term inflation the Wall Street Journal recently talks is like 67 uh, financial experts who said that they they saw high inflation going all the way or deep into 2022. So uh, I think what he was really thinking was, you know, once you start talking about inflation, he wanted to punch uh, Anderson Cooper in the face. <laughs> like so a rock'em sock'em like, robot. You mother, <laughs> you brought up inflation. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I thought that was funny. I still love the... Uh, the the Bernie Sanders memes the best, you know, uh -huh. with him in his coat where, with his hands crossed. Yes. I, I thought that that was, uh, that was the best, but I did. You know, the all-time great Bernie Sanders moment was when he was giving that speech. I forget, I forget which cycle it was. May have been the 2016 cycle, but a bird landed on his lectern as he was speaking. Like, do you ever see this video? Like this little no. tiny bird just comes flying down and it lands and it just stops and it's just staring at him like on the lectern. And he goes, oh, like this and he like he like he's like marveling at it and the crowd starts clapping like this this like this swell of applause like is over the over the crowd well, like it was like this like religious moment like like even bernie sanders is even one with nature <laughs> mike the mike pence fly was was you know that was kind of interesting as well uh -huh. during the you know because it was indoors and everything that was kind of funny and he probably had a ton of hairspray so that fly was like he didn't even feel it yeah. yeah. Um, I do think um, that, you know, th those memes are were, were really funny. The horses um, are hilarious. I just love the horses that he's yeah, riding. Yeah, the, the horses were all funny. That was all funny. I don't, honestly, I'll tell you the let's go Brandon thing. I I literally don't think, like, I'm trying to find the humor in it. Uh-huh. Because, I, you know, I, I love whatever's funny. It's just like... Uh, you know, like Chappelle said, you know, there are some people just because you make a joke doesn't mean it's funny. And I'm trying mm. to find a humor in it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like, that's not funny. But it you is a funny I mean? moment how it all transpired. I mean, you know, no, you the obviously... original clip was funny, but yes. making it like a thing now, I'm like, 
Well, it's, right. a, it's, like, a, it's, a PG, it's like a PG substitute for fuck Joe Biden. So without actually saying it, people are like, let's go, Brandon. Like, like it, it's basically a nonsense phrase. Like, let's go, Brandon. Like, like, who would be against that? Let's go, Brandon. It's obviously yeah. a stand in for fuck Joe Biden, because this lady <laughs> wrongly, this NBC reporter, she's interviewing yeah. that NASCAR guy, Brandon, whatever his last name is. My apologies to NASCAR fans. I don't know his last name. But she's interviewing him and she's like, oh, listen to that crowd. Let's go, Brandon. Or she says, yeah, and there's like, definitely not. That's not what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, uh, <laughs> not seeing the humor. But I, I do think the original one, I do remember that. That was funny. Um, but like this, you know, hey, let's go, Brandon and hashtagging it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm but not. you I mean, part of the reason here is because you like Biden or maybe. You no, I, who said I like Biden? Well, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. You I never really said like- I like Biden. You don't like his political opponents, though. That's what I'm saying. So, so you're you're grading them on a curve. So, like the idea that you would find uh, it funny, it's 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 a, it's funny. a bigger it's a bigger leap for you. That's all. Uh, funny is funny. You know what I mean? Like I, I I don't agree with that. I think funny is funny. You can make like if you can't if you're a Trump person and you can't laugh at a funny Trump joke. Uh huh. Then like where are we as human beings? Then like if you can't see like the humor in it like and you're that wrapped up in your politics that you can't laugh at something that's genuinely funny mm-hmm. and you're lame I, and then you know same thing if you make jokes about joe biden that are funny you know which i've seen a lot of people make you know i i laugh at them all the time and i don't love joe biden either i you know i do i think do i side with him slightly more than I side with some other people like Bernie Sanders. You know, I think the jokes about Bernie Sanders are funny. You ever see the the video with him and the kids where he's like, you think you're smart. I think you're stupid. The way he said that, that that sounds like an amazing clip. Yo, it was amazing. You haven't seen that? No, I don't think I have. It is hilarious. It's back when he was mayor of, of Burlington, Vermont. It was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see this. I did like, see. You know, you think you're smart. I think you're stupid. Like, it was the funny. It was so Bernie Sanders, crabby old guy. Like, I, I freaking loved it. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, I like Bernie more than I like Biden. I'll tell you that. But, uh-huh. you know, I can totally make fun of him, too, because it's funny. Yeah. You got it. We got to be able to. You know, look, America, we got to I'm saying like I'm speaking to a lot of people. I'm speaking to like you're speaking to a lot of people. Don't sell yourself short. Lots of people. <laughs> yeah. The 12 of you who are watching. Look, we got to be able to laugh at ourselves, man. Like lighten up, mm-hmm. you know, but just be funny about it. That's all I'm saying. Like, don't try to offend people and not be funny. At least be funny. <laughs> Is the wait, I'm just looking at one of the headlines for that old Bernie Sanders video. <laughs> Anyone ever seen cocaine? What we found in the archives of Bernie Sanders' long lost <laughs> yeah, TV show. Hilarious. <laughs> Funniest thing ever. Do you, Sanders asks a group of older kids, Do any of the older kids know, you know, have some problems with drugs? Who wants to talk to me about that? What about drugs? Is that a problem? <laughs> I like Coke, a little boy who looks 10 or 12 exclaims, Tell me about that, Sanders says. I like Coca Cola, the boy clarifies. Oh, Coca-Cola. All right. But who knows about cocaine? <laughs> Anyone ever seen cocaine? He says. Huh? 
Oh, uh, we man. need. Oh, uh, gosh. See, this is you're you're making the argument that often reminds me that I want people like that to stay a part of American politics. So, like, I don't like Bernie Sanders's policies. I don't. I think actually over his career, he's tapped into a couple of things where I, I agree in terms of the problems he's identified. I don't like his solutions. I just I just think they're awful. But when I hear shit like this stuff like this, excuse me, <laughs> I don't know what we're censoring in the show. But when I hear stuff like this. It makes me laugh and just think like, oh gosh, like for the, for entertainment value alone, like that guy's got to stay around. Like I, <laughs> like I, like I really need him to stay in office for a long time, you know. And uh, well, you ain't got that much longer. I know, you know? it's too bad. <laughs> it's really too bad. But nah, nah. Bernie Sanders is, is an amazing character, and he's <laughs> he's the most consistent person in politics. He has not changed you know, since the mid 70s or whatever. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, he's relatively. He's more consistent than almost anybody in politics. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, he, mean, his presidential campaigns, he compromised on some of his values, unfortunately. Um, I thought there were some things he should have stuck with, but he didn't. Um, all right. Let's jump in here. We've got another one. Uh, speaking of uh, people in politics who've definitely changed quite a bit over the years, Barack Hussein Obama. He accused... Uh, the Republican Party of trying to rig elections recently. Take a look. All across the country, Democrats are trying to make it easier to vote, not make it harder to vote, and push back on Republicans who are trying to systematically prevent ordinary citizens from making their voices heard. Just this past week, some of you probably saw, every Democrat in the Senate supported a bill that would protect the right to vote and ban partisan gerrymandering and, and reduce the influence of dark money in our politics. Every Democrat voted for it. Every Republican voted against it. Which, by the way, there's a little bit of an aside, but you have to ask yourself, why, why is it Republicans don't want you to vote? What, what is it that they're so afraid of? Yeah, you know, it, 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 I would assume, Terry, if, if they think they've got better ideas, why don't they just go make the case? Tell us your ideas. Tell us why you think they're going to be better. Tell us how it's going to help that man get a job or, or help that young person go to college or, or help that person get a trade. Hey, just explain it. And if, if you've got good ideas, people will flock to your ideas, but, but that's not what they try to do. Instead, you're trying to rig elections. Because the truth is people disagree with your ideas. And when that doesn't work, you start fabricating lies and conspiracy theories about the last election, the one you didn't win. That's not how democracy is supposed to work. All right, that was uh, Barack Obama uh, campaigning for Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. It was this, this past weekend uh, he showed up. Terry McAuliffe, things are looking rough for him right now in Virginia. And a Fox News poll that just came out yesterday shows amazingly, this is among registered voters that McAuliffe is now trailing by eight points to Republican Glenn Young. And we'll see if that actually proves true when Election Day finally concludes on Tuesday. But what do you think of uh, Barack Obama's remarks, uh, Jason Nichols? Yeah, I didn't I didn't think he said anything controversial. I don't think he said anything that, you know, many Democrats don't haven't been saying or don't believe. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, we are seeing uh, partisan gerrymandering, and and sometimes it benefits Democrats, sometimes it doesn't. I think we should take it out. We should take out dark money out of politics. Um, and these are things uh, that we've seen that, and he is correct, that Republicans vote against it. 
Um, I think also, you know, we've seen the stripping down of voting rights ever since Shelby County in 2013. We've seen these kinds of things happen. We've seen an expansion of voting and voting access um, in, you know, since uh, in 2020, where we had more Americans cast ballots, mm -hmm. uh, people who would not have cast ballots uh, before actually were involving themselves and doing their, their civic duty and obligation. And it was a beautiful thing. And Republicans are saying, no, we don't want that many people to vote. So we're not going to give you um, the curbside uh, ability to vote. We're not going to uh, expand voting hours. We're not going to uh, allow for you to put your ballot in drop boxes, particularly when they're in, you know, black and brown neighborhoods. Um, so I think it's, you know, it, it's really a tragic thing. I think we should want more Americans to vote. And, you know, like we said, putting things up on the marketplace of ideas, that includes uh, allowing people to vote. And I, and I always remember one of the founders of the Heritage Foundation, who was a Republican, a conservative Republican said, I don't want more people to vote. That's a direct quote. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't want lots of people to vote. Um, so I think that's that's a sad thing. And, and again, what was the what was the context for that? Was it sometimes one of the arguments that people make is that like what we should want is informed people to vote. You don't want just like every single person to pull the lever, no matter but, like without even thinking about. Who but again, that for. was that was the justification for so many people being denied the right to vote it's, it's yeah, okay so right. don't do something awful like so don't they're, stop, they're, you don't know the litter so for example you know during the pre-civil rights movement yeah you know they had literacy tests yeah okay you that's but that's not what i'm talking I, I i agree with you vote. i agree with you i'm not talking about that though i i totally agree yeah who, who i'm just saying who's informed I'm just, you know, no, I, I could I could say 74 million Americans. No, that's right. Ballots but informed. you would agree. You would agree. You want informed people to vote. I mean, just in, in your ideal world, that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, I would want. So I would say that a little differently. I would say I want voters to be informed. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For and, sure. And not fall for, you know, trickery and things that, you know, uh, the super PACs put out there, negative ads, totally. and actually get truth with context, you know, not fall for uh, a quote taken out of context, um, you know, manipulated voting records, things like that, yes. uh, that actually change the outcomes of elections. It gets I, getting I, harder and harder too, for the average voter to be well-informed. I mean, you get a lot of these corporate news outlets, they just straight up lie. This is a lie. And exactly, this is why, again, I'm going to go into it. This is why Vincent Jason Save the Nation is so important. And we appreciate the 12 of you who are watching because there should be, you know, people need to turn away from corporate news. And yes, it's funny how corporate news accuses other corporate news of being corporate news, <laughs> you know, which I think is so funny. You know, you got like, you know, CNN accusing Fox some of these smaller outlets accusing CNN, you know, the, the OANs and all that. And it's like, we need robust discussion, um, not where it's twisted one way or the other, where two yeah. equals are getting together and, and getting down into the nitty gritty. And that's what you and I do. And uh, we're a model, I think, for, for news. Um, sometimes, you know, I think one of us is more informed than the other. It's usually me. And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm kidding. But, you know, we, we get there and we let you, the viewer, decide right. on where, where you fall in this discussion. And, and it's really sad that corporate news doesn't do that. And totally. so it, it really just segments us and keeps us divided um, instead of bringing us together and, and having robust discussion and letting people decide where they fall. Yeah. Yeah. So so let me go back to what Obama said here uh, in this um, speech with Terry McAuliffe. Now, he went out of his way to suggest that, you know, his political opponents are accusing everybody of, of um, or, or his political opponents are trying to rig elections, he said. And and this is a part of um, and uh, by and his the suggestion was that Republicans are trying to suppress votes and by virtue of suppression of votes, they're going to rig elections. And he, he's trying to, you know, scare his base into voting for McAuliffe in Virginia. Now, I disagree with this vehemently, the idea that Republicans have shown any capacity to meaningfully try and suppress votes in these last few years. Like, I don't think there's anything to it. I think you're right. There's record voters showing up to the polls, record attention, obviously being placed in politics especially national politics, people should definitely pay more attention to local races, I think, no matter what your political party is. Um, but, and, and I think what we can expect record turnout in the next cycle too. I think that's going to happen uh, anyway. I, I do see that there are efforts to, to weaken voter integrity happening nationwide, I think for a variety of reasons. Principally, I think Democrats have a low expectation of their own voters. I think that's part of it. Um, they kind of think that they need help to actually to, to even know that election day is coming to make sure that they cast a ballot at all. There's I think this is one of the attitudes they think that the Democratic leadership has about its base. It's unfortunate that that's the case, but I think that's true. And meanwhile, it's like, you know, in the states that have been so contested, places like Georgia and Texas, where Republican controlled legislatures have advanced legislation about the way the elections are conducted in those states, they've actually um, put per, made permanent some of the changes that were made during the pandemic year last year during that election cycle. They've kept, you know, expanded, like they've kept drop boxes and things. They've kept, they've expanded the amount of hours that are available for people to vote. So it, like those changes have become maybe not the full pandemic suite, but we're not in the pandemic full time. And certainly not when it comes to standing outside in a line and going to vote. And so they've codified some of those changes and made them permanent. That's not a threat to democracy. That's like enabling democracy, I'd say. So the only the last point I'll make, and I know I've said a lot, and I'm sure there's a million things you want to respond to, but the last point I'll make is that this idea that like the elections themselves are only being undermined by one political party. The reality is that Terry McAuliffe, who's running in Virginia right now, has uh, pretty routinely called into question the results of existing elections in the United States. He just campaigned with Stacey Abrams here in Virginia a couple of weeks ago. And when he did, he referred to her as the true governor of Georgia and said that she actually won that race. Um, he, in this century, has uh, registered his objection to both the 2000 and 2004 elections, suggesting that they were both stolen by George W. Bush. The, his party, broadly, has done electoral college tabulation objections to every Republican president this century inside the United States House of Representatives in the Senate when they were counting the electoral votes. Members of the House would routinely, they were raising objections to actually counting those electoral votes, believing that there was fraudulence involved. And then finally, Terry McAuliffe just hired Mark Elias, who is the top Democrat election lawyer, at least the most high profile one in the entire country. Mark Elias has been a part of alleging just in this last election cycle in the uh, uh, New York race that involved Claudia Tenney, 
he was alleging that the voting machines owned by Dominion of all places may have been manipulated in an effort to steal the election for the Republican. This was Mark Elias, Hillary Clinton, top DNC lawyer. And now he's been hired by, you know, he's been hired by Terry McAuliffe to represent him on whatever election challenges he expects to potentially file going into next week. So there's definitely people, Jason, I guess the only point I'm making is like, there is obviously um, some reflexive impulse among people who lose elections in America, and it's growing, to think that the only reason that they lost is because the system was rigged against them rather than that the voters actually chose the other guy. So I, I think the the thing with Stacey Abrams is, again, a, a little bit taken out of context. Um, I think Stacey Abrams, uh, that race was close, not not you know tremendously close, but it, it was it was close, and she went through all the recall processes. Um, I don't think she did seventeen audits, you know, uh, at the cost of taxpayers. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. She went and went through the the processes to to see uh, how the votes were tabulated and making sure that everything was was above board. And it turns out that um, Kemp, you know, won that election. Brian Kemp won that election. But I think when people say that she's the true governor, what they're saying is that the lead up post Shelby County uh, was uh, a situation where votes were suppressed. People were removed from voter rolls for inactivity, things like that, that actually swayed that election. And had that not happened, that Stacey Abrams would be governor of uh, Georgia. And that's why Stacey Abrams has said with all the polling places that have been shut down, the people who have been removed from voter, voter rolls, mm -hmm. a lot of those people are people of color, people who would have cast their ballot for Stacey Abrams. And that's why she got into the whole fair fight uh, situation. And that is why, um, why Terry McAuliffe uh, announced her that way, is that voter suppression isn't an overnight thing. It's not like it used to be where the Ku Klux Klan showed up at uh, a polling place with guns and said, mm -hmm. black people can't vote or published your name in the paper afterward, you know, so that the next election you didn't vote. This is all, you know, much more sophisticated um, and it's much more long-term, you know, it's, it's a, a process of removing thousands of people, you know, 5,000 here, 10,000 there, from the voting rolls, um, you know, doing these kinds of suppressive activities. So I think that's what Stacey Abrams is uh, fighting against and what she's challenging. And she is a very popular person in the Democratic Party. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that's what Terry McAuliffe uh, was discussing. But I know we need to move forward. So let's let's talk about this next clip. Well, let me just say, uh, just because I, I, unfortunately we're out of time here today, but I, let me just point out um, that Vincent Jason Save the Nation is brought to you by Gold Co. And Jason Nichols, as always, it's just great to talk to you and to sort out the nation's issues by way of these clips each Friday. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, I encourage people to, if you, if you haven't done it yet, please subscribe to this show. Uh, and uh, we try and make it work as well as we can in both the audio and the video formats. You can get it via the audio format, via any of the podcast apps. And the video format, you can get it on Facebook Watch as well as on YouTube. Just like, subscribe, comment, and share on that Daily Caller YouTube channel. 
to make sure you get to see our content and all the other great content that Daily Caller produces. And that would include Daily Caller Live with Joe Bob, fantastic program. And uh, you get David Hookstead's show as well. That guy, hilarious. He's had some great interviews. He just had a fantastic interview with the guy who killed Osama bin Laden, Rob O'Neill. And just, that's been producing headline after headline after headline. Uh, so make sure to check out our buddies who are doing that great work. And Jason Nichols, thank you as always, man. It was good talking to you today. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much.